Welcome aboard to another rockin' edition of David Essel Alive, celebrating for the past 24 years uh, the opportunity to give you the information needed to take your mind, body, spirit to the very next level in life. Broadcasting live out of Studio E in Los Angeles, California. Toll free, 1-800-548-TALK, 1-800-548-TALK. Text us during the show, 941-266-7676. Proud to be part of the iHeart premier clear channel radio network and uh, don't forget to let your friends know we're on the air with them as well and for the past 24 years we have been bringing people on like lee daniel kravitz who's going to be with us in just a minute the name of the book he's the co-author of the book super survivors we continue to find these amazing authors bringing hope resilience to people that are struggling and everyone struggles in life as a matter of fact from some of the information that lee sent us Over 200 million people in the United States will experience at least one major trauma in their life. Now, here's the coolest thing about their book, that there's a link that they found between suffering and success that will blow your mind. Lee, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. It's a blast to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you with us. So my very first question to you is, have you faced any type of intense trauma yourself? You know, it's funny. I get that question a lot, especially when you write a book about super survivors. You know, have you uh, survived anything too? And you know, it's true. It actually, yes, I did. Um, So, you know, my co-author Dave, uh, uh, David B. Feldman, is a uh, psychotherapist. He he studies hope and hope theory, and um, you know, he came across um, you know this whole link between survival and um, and hope. And for my end, though, I started out. um, I was a journalist. I was a writer. <clears throat> still am, and I have a master's degree in psychology, but, you know, at the age of 28, uh, I became a cancer survivor also, and, um, you know, when I came out of that experience, I was really blown away and really interested in the ways that people not, uh, you know, bounce back after catastrophic trauma to their lifetimes, uh, in their, within their lives, and uh, it turns out that this phenomenon, uh, which is really known as post-traumatic growth, you know, we've all heard of PTSD, well, this is kind of the opposite end of the spectrum. Post-traumatic growth is actually fairly, fairly common. And I was uh, really just interested in learning about these stories, and that just led me and Dave to to meet hundreds and hundreds of survivors of everything from cancer to car wrecks to genocide to natural disasters and beyond. You know, I I look at this, and and we say, Lee, that, you know, most people recover from the trauma. some people slide backwards and become victims and, and, and a host of other words that we could use. And then sure. other people go on and create out of this new identity, this new, this, this, this new who they are. They create a life maybe never even dreamed of before. It, do, do we know percentages like of the 200 million sure. people that will experience at least one trauma that X percent recover, X percent never do and go backwards and X percent become super survivors? You know, it's, it's interesting. I mean, it, it, you know, it's really normal for people to try to, to kind of take these numbers down and to say who becomes a super survivor, who does not, and things like that. There are a couple things we do know. Um, uh, you know, PTSD, you know, depression, anxiety, all the negative sides of, of trauma, um, as well as super survival, they're, they're not mutually exclusive. So what we find is that most of the people who experience post-traumatic growth and become super survivors, and I'll kind of explain those super survivors in a minute, you know, uh, you know, people who dramatically change their life after experiencing a trauma, um, also tend to experience also the 
the negative effects of trauma, um, again, the, the depression, the anxiety. Um, the, the stats we do know are this, though, that um, of the 200 million people in the United States who will experience a traumatic event in their lives, about 60 to 80% of those trauma survivors will experience post-traumatic growth. And what post-traumatic growth really is, is, you know, after a trauma... Wait, 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 Lee, wait, wait, wait. Did you say 60 to 80% will will, will become a super survivor? Well, no, 60 to 80% will experience post-traumatic growth. And so, and post-traumatic growth is, you know... uh, you know, reevaluating your life in some way. You see new possibilities, okay. you know, okay. you uh, develop greater self-reliance, you, you know, you have a spiritual change, you appreciate life. You know, the grass is, <clears throat> the grass is greener, the sky is bluer, you know, things like that. Okay. But a super survivor, you know, those numbers, we don't have the exact uh, numbers for super survivors, and, uh, but we do know that it's a lot less, uh, much, much less. Um, yeah. That... Um, people who dramatically change their lives for the long haul, um, you know, that's a few and far between. Um, you know, we find that when we experience a trauma, uh, you know, we start out at baseline, that we are, you know, either happy-go-lucky people or we're curmudgeon people, and then something, tr- you know, traumatic happens and, and shakes us up. And we experience either depression, anxiety, or post-traumatic growth, or a combination of both. But after about six months to a year, we go back to baseline. If, you know, we started out curmudgeoning, then we're going to go back yeah. to being a curmudgeoning person. If we are, you know, uh, happy people, then we're going to go back to being happy. But a small percentage of those people actually continue, they, they channel this post-traumatic growth into remarkable change that changes their lives and, they t- and in many cases changes the world as a result. I, you know what popped into my head as you're talking is Helen Keller. Yes. Wow. I, you know, I think that there's... And, you know, I think that that's true. I mean, you have people, you know, we all face adversity in our lives. Um, mm-hmm. You know, one of the first people I met, um, you know, was, uh, you know, a, a guy named Alan Locke. You know, speaking of Helen Keller, um, Alan Locke was a young man who was in the, uh, the Royal Navy. He wanted to spend his whole life um, in the Royal Navy, and that was his, his dream. And one day he's on his boat. And he's uh, making his rotations, and he looks down, and the, the charts he's reading um, are blurry, and he thinks he's just tired. About a day later, um, his vision is actually getting worse, and he's told pretty quickly that he has macular degeneration, and he's going to go blind within four weeks. And mm. that's exactly what happens. And, uh, you know, he's devastated. He's worried that he's going to lose his job. Mm-hmm. He's worried he's going to lose, lose his independence, his livelihood. Um, and his dreams, and that's pretty much what happens in short order. But you cut to about a year later, and he becomes the first blind person to get into a rowboat and row across the Atlantic Ocean. And, you know, when, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's insane. And, you know, when we met Alan, we were like, Alan, how the heck did you do this? Yes. You don't just wake up one day and say, I'm blind, I'm going to row across the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> and, you know, and the interesting thing was, he said to me, he goes, um, you know, it's not, you know, most people would think it's positive thinking. In fact, it, most of the people that I, that I, in my life, told me just to think positively and good things are going to happen to me and, you know, my vision may not go away or I may get my, my post reinstated in the Royal Navy. Um, but positive thinking really didn't do it for me. And positive thinking certainly didn't get me across the Atlantic Ocean. While it was certainly a good thing to be a positive thinker, I don't feel that I'm a positive thinker. So I said, Alan, what is it that, you know, got you across the ocean blind, and he said, it's actually something more realistic than positive thinking. It's something that we've come to call grounded hope, which is a more realistic 
uh, way of, of looking at your life and saying, okay, these are the things that I can't change, but also looking at, you know, forward, you know, and saying, what can I do given the circumstances? And that's pretty much not only what Alan did, but many of the super survivors we interviewed for this book also did. They channeled this post-traumatic growth, but also they did it through um, grounded hope. And and in, explain a little deeper grounded hope, and then Lee, we're going to go to a quick quick break and come back. But can you quickly describe what that Absolutely. is? Absolutely. Yeah. So grounded hope is two parts. So the first part, grounded, and what that is is um, it's looking at your situation with open eyes, uh, not painting a smiley face over it. Yeah. Saying you know what, yeah. this is the reality. You know, I've, I've lost my vision, I've lost my leg, I have cancer. But then it's also um, look, being hopeful and looking to the future, saying, okay, given this situation, what can I do? And that's where we see a lot of people moving forward and changing their lives. I, I like that. Lee Daniel Kravitz, one of the co-authors of the book, Super Survivors. Lee, hang in there. We're going to go to a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk more about, it's so funny, earlier today in the show, we got a text in from someone asking about why I'm not a huge fan of positive thinking for success. And then here we have Lee talking about it right here. I, I think it's great. Another thing we're going to talk about is delusions. What are a delusion? What is a delusion? And how can they be healthy as Lee and his co-author have come up with, with this whole concept of super survivors? I'm David Essel. The website, talkdavid.com. Lee's website is supersurvivors.com. Stay right there. Are you ready for a miracle? Hi, David Essel here, inviting you to join our 10-week course, Success and Miracles, beginning Tuesday, October 7th, for 10 straight weeks. You'll be joined by many other success-minded people who want what you want, Success and Miracles. Whether it's love, wealth, or health, go to TalkDavid.com right now. This teleconference series is open to anyone in the USA. That's TalkDavid.com. Join the course, Success and Miracles, to change your life now. TalkDavid.com. That's TalkDavid.com. Have you ever wondered why you struggle with money or why creating deep love is so challenging or why losing weight and keeping it off is such a struggle? Hi, I'm iHeartRadio host and author David Essel. For 22 years, we have helped thousands of people figure out the why to their life challenges and then create a plan that leads to lifelong success. If you're ready, contact me at TalkDavid.com today. Our one-on-one sessions are so effective that you will absolutely create the life you desire. And programs begin as low as $100. One-on-one with me, David Essel, at Talk. David.com. You're tuned in to David Essel Live, America's positive radio show. Like us on Facebook and listen to hundreds of inspirational archive shows at talkdavid.com. Now here's your host, Mr. Motivation, David Essel. Uh, the name of the book, Super Survivors, The Surprising Link Between Suffering and Success. We're talking with one of the co-authors, Lee Daniel Kravitz. Uh, the website, supersurvivors.com. And before the break, we were talking about positive thinking. And, and this is something that's interesting, Lee. They're very early in the show. We got a question from one of our listeners about why I'm not a huge fan of, of yeah. positive thinking. But but tell me from your guy's perspective, wh- why? I mean, did you agree with, with the blind guy that said it wasn't about positive thinking? Do you and your co-author also believe that positive thinking is not the answer for most success in life? Sure. You know, it's, it's interesting. I think that uh, being a positive thinker is certainly better than being a negative thinker. I think everybody can kind of agree about that. Sure. But here's the thing. When, when you're having a traumatic experience, you're, you've been diagnosed with a disease 
Um, you've just uh, survived genocide, a hurricane, a car accident. You know, most people are going to say, you know what, I don't feel very positive right now. And, and, you know, the real question in our minds was, does that help us or does that hurt us? You know, where's the truth there? Where does positive thinking help or hurt? Now, here's kind of the equation that we use. To assume that positive thinking will bring about positive results, you must also assume that negative thinking will bring about negative results. But what if I'm not a particularly positive person? And, or, or better yet, what if I am thinking positively, but bad things continue to happen to me regardless? Right. Is it my fault that uh, I'm not thinking positively enough? And what, what it does is it, it gives more, uh, more credit and power to the brain that it actually deserves. So that's where we started to look into the idea of grounded thinking or grounded hope, which is, you know, it, it, it looks at the situation with wide open eyes, and then asking ourselves a very brave question, which is, okay, well, given that I'm not going to you know, necessarily get uh, my vision back or you know, 100% of my health back or my house back, what can I do with the, with the tools that I have? And that's, that's right. really you know, part and parcel with positive psychology. I like that. I like that. Another statement you made was delusions can be healthy. Define the delusion and tell us how they can be healthy. You got it. So, you know, it's, it's, it's the second part of grounded hope, the grounded part being what can I do? I mean, the grounded part being what, what is the situation at hand? The hope part is, you know, what we find and what the, the research shows is that, you know, a, a, a healthy degree of delusion or illusions of control is what it's really called, can be really good for us. And, you know, here's a great example. You know, uh, early on we met a woman named Asha Mevlana. Uh, Asha is one of the coolest people you'll ever meet. Um, she was young, successful, was making a lot of money at a startup in, in Manhattan in uh, you know, 2002, 2003, and was relatively happy and, and very successful when she was diagnosed with breast cancer, which is a very devastating diagnosis to get at any age, but at 23, it's pretty mm. darn hard. And mm. for her, one of the reasons I related to her was because she told me that you know, for her, it wasn't the chemotherapy, the radiation, or the surgeries that were the hardest part for her. The hardest part for her was bouncing back, you know, coming back to life. You know, what do you do, you know, after you've survived something like this? And for her, it was impossible for her to go back to the life that she had been doing before. It just, it didn't fit anymore, given what she had just been through. So instead, you know, for kind of a lack of, uh, of, of any other idea, she was like, well, I'm going to go back to something I really enjoy, which is playing music. And for her, she decided, well, you know what, I'm going to leave my job and be, take lessons in violin and become an improvisational electric violinist, which is very specific. Right. And then she said something that was really interesting. She was like, I'm going to move to L.A., and I'm going to try to scratch out a living as a, as a musician. And she did it. Now, <laughs> that leap is kind of a delusional leap. You know, who goes to, you know, who goes to L.A. and says, I'm going to be a rock star, but here's the thing. She did it. She successfully yeah. did it. Within one year of moving to L.A., had a recording contract with Universal Records, was playing with the American Idol Band, is on tour with CeeLo Green, you know, playing wow. at the Emmys and the Grammys and the Oscars, and, and, and this is within one year. And, you know, on some level, you have to say there's a, a little bit, a bit of delusion there, that delusion <laughs> of control, that I can control my my, you know, my ability, that I have more ability to do something and be successful at it than I might really have. 
And you need that to kind of bounce forward to try new things. Um, Lee, and- Lee, that's that's not a little bit of delusional thinking. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's not. It's not at all. That's it's a, a lot, lot of it. Lot- <laughs> well, that's the thing. You know, delusional thinkers. You know, once we're successful, they try a lot of things. Yes. You know, and they're, they're not successful at everything. But the things that they are successful at gives them that confidence, that boost to mm. try new things. And you see that with every successful CEO out there, with yes. every successful actor, musician. They fail at a lot of things, but the things that they try, you know, they try a lot of things, and the things they succeed at just boost them that much more. And um, <laughs> that's what happens with the super survivors, whether, whether it's Alan Locke, who went blind and said, I'm going to, you know, I think I can go across the Atlantic Ocean blind. Well, that's a delusional, you know, <laughs> right. idea, but he did it, right. you know, and, right. and Asha with the musician, um, you know, we met uh, people who became stunt people, stuntmen in L.A., people who, um, you know, started revolutions uh, because they believed on some level that they could do it, they could yeah. accomplish it. Lee, you know, th- this reminds me, my mentor, his name is Joe Cerulli, and he was a homeless man that went on to become a multi-crillionaire. And, yes. and when he was homeless, living in an abandoned building, he wrote down on a piece of paper that 365 days from that day, he would have $100,000 in the bank. This is 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. That would be yep. delusional thinking. And, delusional and, thinking, but... If he approached it with a very grounded sense of, you know, realism, yes. like, look, I'm going to set small goals, and I'm going to try to accomplish these goals, and I may succeed, and I may fail, but right. if I fail, I will disengage from this goal, and I will apply all my energies toward a new goal, and that's where, you know, that's really grounded hope right there. I love it. I love it. Hey, Lee, we're going to go to a break in a couple minutes. Do you have more time? Can you share more time with us tonight? Absolutely. I'm here. I'm at your okay, disposal. good. good. Okay, awesome, awesome. There's so many more things I want to ask you about. Um, We're talking with Lee Daniel Kravitz. The name of the book is Super Survivors, The Surprising Link Between Suffering and Success, Uh, supersurvivors.com. And and one of the things that as Lee and I talk, ladies and gentlemen, I, I, I want to say this because this is so important. You don't have to wait for a major trauma to utilize the gifts that these people are teaching us. The gift that Lee and, and, and his co-author have put in this book and the gift that these people who have gone through huge trauma have had to go through. We, we've got 40 seconds. Isn't that true, Lee? Absolutely. That's one of the, that's the reason we wrote this book. I mean, while everybody will go through a traumatic experience, odds are in their lives, you do not have to wait for, for a trauma. You don't have to wait for that wake-up moment. The idea behind this is that you can look at these principles. There's seven principles that really tell us how to live fully, to go after the dreams that are intrinsically true to ourselves, to, to pursue our dreams that are and, and how to do that. And that's, that's why we wrote this book, and that's one of the gifts that these super survivors have given us. This is so good. One, one of our, our listeners right now just posted, her name is Karen, she just posted on Facebook, I'm embracing delusional thinking towards my goals and love it. See, this is the kind of stuff, this is what I love. This is what I love. Lee, you, you and your co-author did great stuff with this book. We're going to be talking more with Lee right after this quick break. We're going to come back. More examples of super survivors, more tips. We're going to talk about one thing that they mentioned in their book is how reflecting on death can lead to a better life. We'll find out how the heck that is, how that works when we come back with Lee. Uh, Their website, once again, supersurvivors.com. Don't forget that as of 9 o'clock tonight, Eastern Time, this very interview, for all your friends and family that may have missed it, will be archived at talkdavid.com. Stay right there.
You're tuned in to David Essel Alive, America's positive radio show. Like us on Facebook and listen to hundreds of inspirational archive shows at talkdavid.com. Now here's your host, Mr. Motivation, David Essel. Celebrating 24 years on the air every Saturday, 6 to 9 Eastern, 3 to 6 Pacific. Uh, broadcasting live on a Studio E in Los Angeles, California. You're tuned in to David Essel Alive. Proud to be part of the premier iHeart Clear Channel Radio Network, 1-800-548-TALK, 800-548-TALK. Text us during the show, 941-266-7676. My guest, Lee Daniel Kravitz, one of the co-authors of the book Super Survivors, The Surprising Link Between Suffering and Success. We've been talking about grounded hope. We've been talking about delusions being healthy. I love the, the terminology that Lee used, illusions of control. I love that. And then the next point that I wanted to talk about, Lee, before we went on to more examples, was how reflecting on death can lead to a better life. Sure. I mean, in in some ways, it's sort of counterintuitive, right? You know, thinking about death is a really scary thing. Um, You know, the last thing you really want to do is think about our mortality. But if you really take a look at how short your life is, how much life did you, you know, how, you know, ask yourself the question, how much life have I lived? How much life do I have left to live? And have I accomplished what I really want to accomplish? That's a really scary question to ask, and it's a very brave thing to do. But we find, and science shows this, the empirical science shows this, that um, the more that people do this, that they reflect on their own death, the more that uh, the more their decisions start to reflect um, the things that are more honest and true about themselves. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, it, it sort of makes sense if you think about it. If you think, sure. well, gosh, life is really short. I should do what's really important to me, no matter what people think or say. Ah, that's something right there, Lee. That's that's so crucial is break that codependency. So what what you're saying is that as we reflect on the concept of death and we say, I have a limited amount of time, and we don't even know what that is, just because the average right. woman is 82 and the average guy 77, throw those stats out the window, right, Lee? Because it could be tomorrow, for God's sake. It um, could be right now. You never right know. Now. Yeah, that's true. Right. I was get, I was giving myself too much of a cushion, <laughs> <laughs> which is what we do. Which is what we do, and I think that that's it's a, it's a safe place to be. But look, one of my absolute favorite stories um, and people that we met. I mean, one of the great things about writing this book is we got to meet so many amazing people. Uh, yes. <clears throat> one of the ones we met was this guy named Paul Paul Watkins. Here's this guy. He's in Louisiana, and he, he graduates MBA. Uh, uh, with a you know uh, master's in, in business, and he decides he's going to make as much money as he can. I mean, this is his goal. He wants to be a successful businessman. So he starts a jambalaya company. He goes from four products to 40 products in a year or two, starts making li- literally millions and millions of dollars. He's doing really, really well. He's, uh, you know, has a great lifestyle. Um, and then 9-11 takes place, you know, the, the terrorist attacks. And like most of us, we all felt this vicarious trauma, whether or not we knew somebody who was killed in the towers or the, the plane crashes. It was a very traumatic time for many, many, many people. But Paul happened to know, well, his best friend was a pilot. And it turns out that his best friend was the pilot uh, of the plane that hit the Pentagon. Oh. And this obviously shook him to the core. And if that wasn't enough, he actually drove um, his friend's ashes or uh, an urn um, 
from a, a, a nondescript building in Virginia all the way up to his friend's parents' house and delivered that urn. And on his way back, he said to himself, you know what, life is short. Life is really, really short. What am I going to really do with my life? At the end of the day, when I'm lying on my deathbed, if I'm that lucky to have, you know, you know a moment of, of, of awareness, yeah. will I feel successful? Will I feel happy? Will I have done what I wanted to do in life? And he said, you know what? I, my, the answer right now is no. So what he did, he within one month liquidated his entire company. He sold it to his investors for a song. He sold all of his possessions. And uh, this guy is not crazy, by the way. He is the most level-headed person, I, one of the le- most level-headed people I've ever met. Um, he sold it all and became a parish priest. Oh, my and gosh. It was insane. I mean, just an amazing story. An amazing yeah. story. Yeah. And he was actually uh, he was uh, there when Hurricane Katrina hit, and he was one of the first people on the ground to bring that, you know, that city back to life. Um, but he did this because he faced death or his friend did, and he asked himself an, uh, a very scary question. Mm-hmm. Now that I know that life is short, what do I really, truly want to do that's meaningful to me? And on some level, he had always wanted to give back to the community in, in this way. And he said, you know what? Screw it. I'm getting rid of all my, my, my possessions and becoming a priest. That's so, that is beautiful. That is, that is just so beautiful. Hey, let, and so let, let, let me reframe something here. Ladies and gentlemen, as you're sitting here, and even though the book is about extreme people that have gone through or come close to extreme trauma, this is the reason we bring people like Lee on the show is because we want you to get focused and centered today. And as he said earlier, the purpose of the book is to help people, not necessarily just those who are experiencing or have experienced extreme trauma, but for those of us that have not yet to wake our butts up and to start living. Living on purpose versus being that boat in the sea without any type of uh, of rudder, and which which leads me to a question, Lee: Why do some people, after trauma, or I'm just going to open this up and say, even our listeners that have never gone through trauma, mm-hmm. why do they stay stuck? Why why do they not live the life that some of these outrageously successful people are living? You know, it's it's a good question. I think. Our natural inclination is to, to assume that there are a lot of people that stay stuck. Um, and, I mean, it would make sense. I mean, logic dictates that when something bad happens to us, all we want to do is bury our heads and never, never leave our beds, right? I mean, if you yes. knew, you know, the odds of something bad happening, you know, were as high as they really are, um, why would we ever leave our rooms? But, you know, the remarkable thing is people are far more resilient than we give ourselves credit for. And even the people who make incremental changes, um, you know, after a trauma or, you know, in, in life, um, are, are survivors. They're resilient. Um, and, you know, so I think that's the kind of the nice fluffy way of saying it. But the reality is there are some traumas out there. There are some. And we know this. You know, people who are uh, born into, um, you know, uh, violence, born into mm-hmm. um, abuse, have a, a, a harder road to toe. It just, it, you know, the psychology, all the statistics show that, you know, that is true. Um, and some people just have a harder time getting out. Um, but I think, you know, the thing that we kind of focused on is the fact that while, yeah, so many of us will experience these things, I mean, think about it, 60 to 80% of us will, you know, marshal our strengths and go right. on to bounce back. And some of yes. us will even bounce forward. And I think that is really the, the, the point that 
seem to get buried. We seem to think about the negative quite a bit. Um, but the, the reality, you know, is that most people, most people bounce back. And that is, is the thing that really kind of surprised both David, my, my co-author, and, and me the yeah. most. You know, it's, 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 yeah, it's, I love it's it. remarkable. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, when you said 60 to 80% of people recover that have gone through trauma, like that's amazing. And then there's an, another small percent that go on to this super survivor mode. But what's cool about the book is that you're giving us with these tips, you're giving us what these people have all r- relied on in order to go from extreme trauma to extreme success, which means if they can do it, we can do it. Um, 60 seconds left, David or, or Lee, 60 seconds left. Give us a quick wrap. Uh, Anything else that you'd like to share, and then we're going to uh, to just give your website out again before we leave. Oh, you got it. Well, that's the thing. Don't wait for trauma to happen. There's no reason to wait for it to happen. One of the the the, the blessings of uh, you know uh, these people's stories is that I mean, for them, it did take a trauma, but it doesn't have to be a traumatic experience to wake us up to say, you know what, what is important to me now. Um, if, you know, life is short, what do I want to do? How do I do it? How do I do remarkable things? How do I just get out of bed and go to work every day, which in many cases is a, a, a true form of, of, of common resilience? Um, right. You know, don't wait. Um, you can do it today. I love it. Lee Daniel Kravitz, a co-author of the book, Super Survivors, The Surprising Link Between Suffering and Success, supersurvivors.com. Lee, thanks a ton. I love the interview. Oh, it was a blast. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Good luck with you guys. And and remember, gang, the, the website, supersurvivors.com, the name of the book, Super Survivors. Coming up next, we're going to be answering some of your super survivor questions as we do every Saturday for three straight hours. I absolutely love the opportunity to touch and to be touched with your questions. And we're going to give you answers to get you on the right road right after these messages. All of these interviews are archived at talkdavid.com. Let your friends and family know if they miss this. We all need to have the attitude of becoming a super survivor in life. I'm David Essel. Talkdavid.com. Stay right there. You're tuned in to David Essel Alive, America's positive radio show. Like us on Facebook and listen to hundreds of inspirational archive shows at talkdavid.com. Now here's your host, Mr. Motivation, David Essel. Uh, David Essel in the box with you. Hey, this is so cool. We've gotten a bunch of new texts. And by the way, the, the text number is 941 941- Two six six seven six seven six. This last interview is um, getting some people out of bed here, so to speak. Super survivors. Um, I've been married twenty five years. I wanted to give up. The interview with Super Survivor gives me some hope. Please repeat his main keys, John, in New York City. Yes, you can use my name on the air, David. <laughs> Just so sweet. Thank you, John. Okay, so the very first thing he said is grounded hope. So that you you look at the reality of your marriage, 25 years, you wanted to give up, but you're going to be grounded and say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to slow down. 
I'm going to stop the negative thinking about my life or my marriage or my partner, and I'm going to have hope. So that would be step one, John, that, that might help you. Number two, which I really like this delusional thinking. This is kind of cute in a way. But, but the way he described it was an illusion of control. So you, you might say with your marriage, okay, we've been married 25 years. I wanted to give up. But instead, I'm going to have – I'm going to create this illusion in my mind that if I do what's necessary, I can control and save the marriage. I think it's great. It's like when Joe Cerulli, my mentor, was living in an abandoned building, and he wrote down, you know, I'm going to make $100,000 in one year. He ended up doing it, by the way, end of the story. Um, but, but you know, you can do that. You can say, wow, the odds of Joe Cerulli making hundred grand were very, very high odds. So you might even say, you know, the odds of saving this marriage seem high, especially they seemed high to me, but I'm going to have this illusion of control that I can Make a difference and save this marriage. That would be step number two. The last thing they said was reflecting on death can lead to a better life. So you might say, you know, if I were to die, you know, tomorrow or in 30 days, you know, would I be disappointed that I didn't put more effort into saving my 25-year marriage? And so you might say, gosh, I could go at any time. Maybe this is the time to put everything I got into saving this marriage of 25 years and then in that in that essence, John, we might find more energy and more passion to do the work to save it. Okay, so there's some thoughts, and, and I really do appreciate that. Uh, I appreciate you texting us in. Use these steps. Use these steps. Another text regarding this very thing was, how do you break out of being a victim, David? I feel that I've been living in trauma for the past 40 years. I'm 45 years of age. I can remember at five years old feeling a victim in life, and I've been carrying that forward ever since. Well, let, let me tell you this. Victimhood is a trauma. That's, that's post-traumatic stress disorder. That's victimhood. When, when you believe that you have no control and that because of the government, because of your upbringing, because of your addiction, because of your partner, because of your children, because of your genetics, that life sucks, that's the, that's the attitude of a victim. That is extreme stress. And over time, the victimhood mentality wears the brain out. We have a video on YouTube I want you to watch. It's called Victims Never Heal. That will give you the reasons why. Just go to YouTube, Google David Essel slash victims, and you will be able to find that YouTube video. We have 500 of them on YouTube. Go find that one on victimhood because we really do. We, as long as we're a victim and blaming everyone but us, our partners, our kids, the government. You know, I, I did a lecture about a month or two months ago on financial freedom now. And unfortunately, there was a couple sitting in the back that was blaming the government for their inability to make money, you know, and I just sat there shaking my head. And and eventually I said, you know, I have to be honest with you with that attitude. I cannot help you. And that was the truth. As long as we're projecting and blaming, there's nothing that anyone can do to help us. So so think about that. Become that super survivor. Right. Um, Here's a business. uh, I, I own a small company, eight employees. One of these employees have been with me for 20 years, but his attitude stinks over the past two years. Okay, red flag. I'll get back to that in a second. He has become disorganized and negative, um, but he knows the business will keep him because of his experience here. 
okay, you know the whole concept of one bad apple, right? One bad apple can spoil. You got eight employees. But my question, first of all, my question to you is it says he's been with you for 20 years, but his attitude stinks over the past two years. Why? Because you said you haven't approached him yet. Later on, the text says, I haven't touched him yet. I haven't approached him yet. Over the years, I've just let him go on. And that, that's a mistake. So, and you can't re- go back into the, the, the past, but I'm just going to tell you right now, that's one of the reasons you've got yourself into this pickle because it started two years ago and you never did anything. Um, you know, in this case, I think what I would do is I, w- I would talk to him about a probation. I would say, listen, I'm going to put you on 90 day probation with measurable standards. Um, you know, no negative talk, no feeding this stuff, no, you know, mistakes. Um, that you know this stuff, you're making mistakes because what? You don't care, ask them questions, but I would really put them on a probationary period. You've been here for 20 years. I'd love to keep you. The last two years have sucked. You and I both know it. Here's a list of mistakes. If you need to have a, a correlated list of mistakes that have been going on, I'd have it in writing. Make a copy for him. If he starts arguing and says, what are you talking about? I do great work. You hand him the copy and say, here's all the things over the last two years that have not been great work. And then I would tell him to to go ahead and to put a schedule together for the week. You said he's extremely disorganized. So maybe every Sunday night, tell him to email you, you know, um, a list of what he's going to accomplish for the next week to hold him more accountable. Maybe you could turn him around, you know. I mean, anyone that wants to be saved can be saved. Let's put it that way. 1-800-548-TALK. 1-800-548-TALK. Text us. 941-266-7676. Okay, so for everyone else that texted us and everyone else that emailed us, we're going to get to your emails and texts next week. This is the last one we're going to be able to hit tonight. I watched this afternoon, David, your video on goal achievement with something called the one thing theory. You uh, You say go after the one goal that you have procrastinated on. Why not go after the one goal you really want instead? <laughs> That's a great question. Oh, my God. Okay, well, let me tell you what. The, the goal that we have denied, delayed, procrastinated, and working on, that's the anchor in our life. And I will tell you, if you do not remove that anchor, the thing that's holding you back, whether it's addiction, your relationship, if it's money, if it's God, if it's uh, resentment or your weight or whatever, if you don't go after the biggest thing that you have denied, delayed, procrastinated, working on, you ain't going anywhere in life. It's like it's like having multiple anchors on a ship. You know, unless those anchors are drawn up, the ship isn't going anywhere. And if it's a big enough anchor, all you need is one to hold the ship back from making any forward movement. Right. So what we have found, and in 1996, we shifted all of our work in the world of life coaching and counseling. What we have found is that when people attack what they have been procrastinating on, and I mentioned it before, if there's ongoing money issues, ongoing weight or health issues, ongoing relationship issues, ongoing spiritual issues, ongoing addiction issues, whatever it is, when we attack that thing that we do not want to attack, life becomes easier. But if we keep our head in the sand and say, well, I know that I have this big problem with the addiction, but I'm just going to make more money. Or I know my relationship is really suffering, but I'm going to go and just get the greatest body ever. I know, I know, I know. No, 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 no. And this is how our work is so unique and different. And this is why our clients who really do the work achieve such great goals is because they say, you know what? It's true. I haven't been putting the effort that I need to into my health or into my relationship or into my money. I haven't been consistent. And here's the other thing that shocks people. Do you know 
that when we find that anchor, that thing we've procrastinated on, then we start to attack it. On average, it takes 12 months of working our tail off on that one area to turn it all around. But if you stay persistent and you stay positive and you work hard five days a week on that one area you've delayed or denied or procrastinated on, your whole life will radically change. Email me at talkdavid.com if you need more information. Talkdavid.com. Hey, between now and next week, be bold, be strong, be positive. Do that which you don't want to do, and in seven days from now, you'll be happier or healthier, and I can't wait to have you on then, okay? And check out at talkdavid.com our archive shows, our workshops coming up this Wednesday, two hours long. You can join us from anywhere in the U.S. I'm David Essel. Rock on. Are you ready for a miracle? Hi, David Essel here, inviting you to join our 10-week course, Success and Miracles, beginning Tuesday, October 7th, for 10 straight weeks. You'll be joined by many other success-minded people who want what you want, success and miracles. Whether it's love, wealth, or health, go to talkdavid.com right now. This teleconference series is open to anyone in the USA. That's talkdavid.com. Join the course, Success and Miracles, to change your life now. Talkdavid.com. That's talkdavid.com.